extend their greetings. And you're, we're, it's a treasure to have you all together here with us. Thank you. I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that very clearly the last part. I heard there were greetings. We're so thankful to have you back from Hungary. And what was the second part? A little louder, please. We are very thankful to have you back with us, Sister Nora, and thank the Lord for giving you a safe trip and journey. Thank you for those greetings from Sister Beverly. Well, the Lord be with you and grant you a prosperous journey as you worship the Lord there and uh, send our love and greetings to all that you and me. Thank you for those greetings from Brother Edwin Allensbach. If anyone visits, please extend our greetings as well to our shut-in. So please do extend our love and greetings to those you would visit of the congregation that uh, weren't able to make it today. And uh, we have just a few announcements. Um, our collection uh, for this uh, month, the focus of the month is for uh, travel costs for those who are going to serve the Lord uh, and work teams. Um, we also have, uh, you'll see on the back on the collection box, there's some brochures that just arrived today. Therefore. The endowment fund, which is something the ACCBC has set up for those who would like to give money that would keep giving. So basically the, the, the concept is that you just take the interest from whatever your donation is and it continues to be directed as you wish. So um, there's more information about that in the brochure in the back. This coming week, we are gonna continue to explore together um, what the best way for a, a, in the most biblical way of doing church together according to the New Testament and, and what we would like to study that. Uh, feels free to uh, join us this Wednesday as we continue the part two of that study. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, Vacation Bible School coming, not this Monday, I think it's the 21st of that uh, coming up in two Mondays. So we definitely wanna have that in mind. Was there some campusing that we want to support or no? Okay, all right. So um, keep uh, that in mind, invite uh, your friends and neighbors so that uh, they can hear the, the gospel in, in two Mondays, the 21st. Uh, there's also some um, Porster's CDs that uh, since CDs are not uh, as popular these days, uh, but so they're being given away for free. They're surplus and they're available on the table downstairs for anyone who would like to take them. And also I think there's bookmarks there that are available to uh, remind us about the upcoming sing in Northport, Florida. that are available for taking as well. 
Let's turn to the Lord and invite him into our midst. <clears throat> Almighty God, truly without you, we would be empty, with adrift, without purpose, without meaning, without existence. Father, you have not only created us, but have redeemed us and purchased us by your blood and given us the greatest treasure of being called your children. Father, we want to come to your feet as children this morning and ask that you would speak to us as your children, that your spirit would inspire the words that would be said and, and how we would receive it, that it would not merely be for the itching of the ears, but it would be something that would transform us into the image of your Son. Father, we pray for your unfettered work, unhindered by tiredness, distraction, by the weakness of your servant, that your will would be done and that your name would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. to invite everyone to turn with me to the epistle of Paul to Romans, the 15th chapter, the second last chapter in Romans, um, beginning at the first verse. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. Circumcision meaning the the Jewish people. He was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. In that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he said, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. Now, O God of hope, fill you with all joy 
and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you <coughs> in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given me of God. I've read unto the 15th verse. Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel to pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we consider these words that we've read, dear Father, we want to, with one heart and with one mind, praise thee collectively, even though the lips of everyone in this room may not be moved, moving at this moment, dear Father, we pray that we all, with one mind and with one heart, would be praying unto thee, worshiping thee within our hearts, not only as we pray, but as we meditate on this word that our hearts would be focused and directed. The plants that so desperately need the sun that will die if it's taken from them. Dear Father, help us to turn our faces toward thee now, this morning hour, to receive those life-giving rays from thy word. The gospel message, which is shining on the whole world, the whole earth, every nook and every cranny, every person, every people, every tribe, every nation, and is calling forth new life. Dear Father, we're so thankful for this warmth and we pray it would not be a temporary thing, it would not be just a, the experience of an hour, the hearing of, a, of, of the word and then not changing, but true life would result from exposure to this word. That the, the plant would grow as a result of it. The roots would grow down deeper the, the shoots would grow up further. Our, this lively building, this living building of, of lively stones, dear Father, would be knit together through the power of thy word. Dear Father, this is a working of thy Holy Spirit. It is not the accomplishment of man. It's not something we can do. It's not a, a service we put on, dear Father, but it is the working of thy Holy Spirit as, as each one comes around thy word, comes under thy word to the hearing of it. Dear Father, this morning hour we pray that the message would go out in this place, that we would hear it, we would meditate on it, we would receive it. We pray that it would go out in other places too, dear Father, throughout this whole world. We know this is a darkening time, a darkening age. There are many turning away from thee, turning away from the light that has already been given to them, shutting it out, blocking it, coming up with their own idols, their own explanations for life. And dear Father, we know the darkness is deepening. Help us in this corner, help every corner where thy people are to shine brighter so that lost souls would be drawn to that light. And dear Father, those that have been so long under it, so long near it, but yet have not let it shine completely into the, the depths of their being, dear Father, we pray that even this morning hour, some of that light would, would open, would go through the crevices and the cracks, would at last soften the hard hearts, 
Dear Father, there are many physical needs we think of this morning hour as we are gathered together through the power of the Holy Spirit that we want to pray for. Many that are suffering because of their, their bodies and because of their age and, and the diseases that have come upon them. Oh, dear Father, we pray for thy grace to be upon them. We know thy grace is sufficient. We trust it, dear Father, and we commend each one to this grace. Help us not to just say this as words, but to, to live this and to, to experience that grace flowing in between us and through us. The grace that comes from thee, the good favor, the kindness that comes from thee, the gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit. Dear Father, we pray this for those that are suffering. We pray for physical healing for them according to thy will. Dear Father, please incline thine ear. Please be moved, dear Father. We know that thy heart is so big and so vast. Thy plans are perfect, and yet thou dost delight to hear the prayers of thy children, uttered in weakness, uttered in dependence upon thee. We pray for healing now for our dear sisters and brothers that need that. Those that are immobile with age, those that are struggling for many years with declining health, those that have not been able to attend for a long time. Dear Father, we know each one and we think of them with fondness. Dear Father, we pray for the young ones. Pray for those that are growing up in a world that we don't even understand ourselves anymore as we see it changing so rapidly. Dear Father, Thou knowest. Preserve them. Preserve Thy little sheep the little lambs, dear Father, keep them safe from the wicked one. Dear Father, we pray for thy flocks everywhere, thy churches, the individual gatherings. We pray that the decisions and the, the, uh, the working together of those individual local bodies would be according to thy will, that they could make decisions in peace for the, for the, the glory of Jesus Christ and for the edification of, the, of his members. Dear Father, we pray for the government. We pray for the men and the women that are in positions of power. Dear Father, we pray this because we know in thy word it is right and it is good. And we have complete peace about this, dear Father. We know it is not, we don't need to fret or worry about the evilness that is in high places because we know above those high places is the high and holy God who sees these things, who allows them to happen, who works all things according to his plan. And we have a plan. We have a role in this too. We have a vital and an important role to pray, to lift up holy hands. Oh, dear Father, forgive us where those hands have become dirty, where we have become mired and we have become ineffective in this holy work of praying. Forgive us, dear Father. Cleanse us through the power of thy word, the washing of thy word, and help us to stand in righteousness and in truth and to pray for this nation, for other nations. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord's uh, been working my heart and I share that with you for Sometime, I think we started meditating on the one another's uh, back in May. And uh, there was a clear, there's a large number of one another's, and the most prominent of which 
uh, was love one another, repeated many, many times, and love one another as Christ loved us. But I think one of the, the, as I was reading through all the one another's of the New Testament, the one that was least um, recognizable to me was uh, accept one another, one I have never really focused on or thought about or heard much preached upon. So I thought it would be good for us to, to read this passage together and see what the Holy Spirit would speak to us about what does it mean to accept one another. And of course, we always want to understand the context of what, what the Holy Spirit was speaking about in the passage, in the book, and so that we are not just taking words out of context, but understanding the intent of it. The book of Romans is one of the very deep books of the Bible, one that has profound things to say to us about our relationship with God. Uh, but as we look through it, um, we realize that, that Rome was having a challenge. Um, there was two different people groups there. There was the, the Romans, but Rome was, you know, in some ways comparable to Toronto. It was, it was the place where people who uh, were scattered from their own um, uh, countries would come to the metropolis and try to uh, find new life, a new, new beginning there. The Jewish people had gone through a lot of persecution, and so they had come to Rome as well, or they would eventually be scattered from there, thanks to Nero. Um, but uh, there was a large number of Jewish people there in Rome, and there was a lot of people who were not Jewish, which the Bible refers to as Gentiles. And so they were having a challenge of how, um, how to be united, how to be one body when the Jewish people had a long history of being unique, of being separate, of being uh, the separated chosen people of God with a unique set of laws that apply to them. And now there was this radical new teaching about Jesus Christ. And the challenge was that um, we, we could, uh, how we, where the middle wall of partition is, is spoken of as being broken down between us and that we can become one. But how is this practically going to work? And what does this mean? And are the Jewish people irrelevant? Do they have any role left in, in God's plan? And so we have, uh, first of all, he, he addresses the whole plan of salvation, how everybody, Jewish or not Jewish, is in need of salvation. We're all lost. We're all uh, unable to actually do the law, whether we know about it or not. And then it's through grace, through faith alone. And then it's, a, it's not just... Um, intellectual thing is something that we l die with Christ, we're buried with him in baptism, we live with a, a new life that has the power not to sin anymore, and that we are free from this captivity, of uh, enslavement of sin. And then it, this is empowered through the Holy Spirit. I mean, that was chapter 6, we go to chapter 8, now talks about you know, how the Holy Spirit is really the one who is enabling all of this. And 9, 10, 11 talk about, now, what about the Jews? You know, and we 
we, we read some very challenging things about how God has chosen different people for different roles and even rejected the Jewish people uh, as a whole from their role temporarily set them aside to allow opportunity for us who are not Jewish to enter into his people, be grafted into the olive tree is the metaphor he uses in chapter 11. And then he gets into some practical instruction in 12 and 13 and then 14 he gets into some of the, the, the challenges that they were having that the Jewish people felt very strongly that they had been taught for millennia by the very word of God itself that certain foods can be eaten or not eaten, certain days were to be set aside to come to God as festivals. And these were, these were strongly taught in the, in the Old Testament. Any male who doesn't show up on this day for this festival is gonna be you know, cut off from Israel. Anyone who, who you know, breaks these dietary laws and so on, right? There was a lot of, of, of weight and it wasn't just in their own minds, right? It was something that was taught in, in scriptures. <clears throat> and yet, when this came up for discussion, because we had these two very different cultures um, uh, being integrated, and so they came to Jerusalem, we read in Acts 15, and they had uh, a very heated discussion, if we call it a discussion, about how are we, how are we gonna resolve this? Uh, are we going to require all the Gentiles to be circumcised, to follow the dietary laws, to follow the, the you know, sacrificial system that you know, would soon be disbanded because of God's judgment on, on the very temple itself. Um, and it was decided that no, no, with the exception of not eating blood, of avoiding fornication um, and idolatry, there was no further requirement of the of the Old Testament law that Jesus had fulfilled that. And now there was this churn going on that even though that was decided by the elders in Jerusalem, how we were gonna work this out in practice was, was a problem there because there were still two very different people groups. And Romans 14 is, talks about how do I handle that? This person here, really feel strongly that this is wrong, even though it's not scriptural that it's wrong. This person here is, you know, uh, feeling like he can do whatever he feels like, even though, you know, it ends up causing the other person to be emboldened to do things that their conscience knows is wrong. And uh, we have this kind of two-edged sword, this, this where we're saying the one who judges, you know, needs to leave it to God. Everyone will answer to God. And so we should not impose our sensitivities on other people and judge them for not following things that are not spelled out in scripture. And on the other hand, those who feel free, who are called the stronger in the context of the 14, out of love should give up their, their freedom to do these things just because they love their brother. And you know, we have these beautiful passages in here that uh, I know and I'm persuaded by the Lord Jesus there's nothing unclean of, him, of itself, but to him to esteemeth anything to be unclean is unclean, right? We see this, this principle that it's not the thing in itself, but it's my associations, what I'm thinking about it. 
And then the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We, we see this big picture that, that Paul is bringing in. You know, so that things are not in themselves evil, but because I love my brother, I'm not going to uh, cause him to stumble. And that's where our first verse comes here. We then that are strong, who, who, who are, are not having a weak conscience, is the context, should be willing to actually take on, um, uh, to bear to, to, to the infirmities of the weak, those who have a weak conscience, and not to please ourselves. And that seems very unfair. It seems like for me to now, as a Gentile, to bring in these Jewish people with all of their sensitivities, with all of their requirements, you know, that's putting a lot of burden on me that I, if they weren't here, I wouldn't have to worry about this, right? But we're being instructed here that it's not about my freedom to live the way I, I please, uh, but it's about the other person. Verse 2 here, let everyone please his neighbor for his good to edification. So again, in Corinthians, we have this principle. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. You know, it's not, in the past, the Jewish thing was, and, and, and when I was in Israel, there is just layers of layers of layers of human interpretation on top of the word of God about, you know, exactly what you can and can't do. And then, you know, there's the rule, then there's the circumvention around the rule, and then the, it's very complex unnecessarily because it's all about human laws, right? Whereas God wants us to look at the principle. Does this build up, my brother and sister? Is this going to build up or tear down? Is this going to do good for this person? I might be free to drink alcohol in my house, you know, with this meal, but, you know, this brother here struggled with alcohol and if i'm start taking this alcohol it's going to say oh maybe it's okay and maybe he's going to take it and it's going to trigger you know um a weakness for him cause him to stint so even though there's nothing wrong with me drinking alcohol the, paul told timothy drink a little wine for the stomach's sake and we like to pull that one out uh, therefore you know it's it's legal for me to do that but am I considering the, my effect that I'm having on my brother when I'm taking, care, do, uh, taking advantage or enjoying something that God's given me that's pleasurable or enjoyable? That's the fact that I enjoy it does not trump the fact that it's going to cause harm to someone else. That is the main, main principle. And that principle of love resolves this cultural and conflict. And I, I do remember, you know, first reading this chapter, I was a young man, I remember sitting in that middle room of 47 Farmbrook and, you know, studying this with my dad and, and saying, wow, you know, if we just went through a split in our church, 1976, um, you know, there was, there was people who were, you know, uh, had recently come from 
from Serbia who have felt very sensitive about things that weren't really biblical. You know, they felt like, you know, any pictures in Sunday school material were graven images and forbidden by the Old Testament. You know, and others says, no, we want, we want to prioritize teaching our children. And so there was, there was, they had sensitivities that weren't necessarily biblical. And, uh, you know, it seemed to me that, you know, if either side had followed this passage, we wouldn't have split. If either side, if those who had these sensitivities would say, well, look, it says, who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master, he standeth and followeth, yea, shall we hold up. You know, if, if those who had come with their sensitivities realized, well, God's going to judge, I'm not going to judge them, we wouldn't have a conflict. For those who would say, look, you know, for your, I see you, uh, you know, feel this is wrong, even though we don't feel biblically it's wrong. For your sake, we won't have pictures in our Sunday school material. Or, you know, and so on. We could resolve these things if either one, either party, would be willing to humble themselves and follow Scripture and make sacrifices, because it does take sacrifices, there wouldn't be conflict. This doesn't sit well with the individualistic modern mindset. The modern mindset says, well, why should I be judged by another man's conscience? 1 Corinthians 10. Why should I uh, be restricted by someone else's hangups? But the biblical mindset says, you are so important to me that I'm willing to give up uh, my liberty because I love you, because I know it will cause you to stumble because it will not build, I want to build you up. Now I say, wow, you're asking me to, to, to sacrifice a lot. You're asking me to limit myself in so many ways. And so Paul goes on to verse three, right? If you're with me, we're reading now to chapter 15, verse three. What's, what's the degree? How far should I go to please other people? Because of course, pleasing other people can be a, a trap, right? In verse 3, gives us the degree. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. So our, our example is Jesus. He was comfortable. He was in glory, being worshipped by angels. And he left that, even though he was under no obligation to come down to this planet to take on the reproaches, the the, 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 the consequence and, and the, um, the punishment for my sin, he was no obligation. Those were my sins. I deserved those reproaches, right? But he took that on because he loved me, because he wanted me to be edified. He wanted me to have an opportunity to be reconciled uh, to the Heavenly Father. So, if Christ was willing to give up glory, maybe I can give up alcohol. Maybe I can give up, you know, how flashy my Sunday school material is. Maybe I can give up whatever it is that is triggering, uh, you know, these different uh, people with different cultural sensitivities. Because, you know, the kingdom of heaven is not in meat and drink, but in 
peace and righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Those are things we don't want to compromise on. That's what the core is. It's not on these external things that we can give up and flex in our culture, but we cannot flex in standards of righteousness, in standards of, of how much love and joy and, and the Holy Ghost that we allow to fill us. He goes on in verse 4 and 5 to talk about, well, what about the Bible? I mean, after all, the Old Testament taught these things, right? Uh, but yes, they were taught for our learning. And if you read through Leviticus, uh, a brother recently, you know, how me see afresh, you know, how deeply permeated Jesus Christ is being taught in the sacrificial system. That all these things were taught for us to understand God, how God's plans of reconciliation, of payment for our sins, so that we, through the patience and the comfort scripture, might have hope that you, and that we, if we understand the spirit of God, the God who, of, who is patient, the God who desires, who's the good shepherd, who, who, who takes us through the valley of the shadow of death, and we don't fear because he is with us, if, if that's God's character, then we can be, and here's our first one another, we can be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. That means I can be like-minded with someone who's very different than I am. We see the Jewish and the Gentiles were extremely different cultures. Lots of, had been separate for millennia, very different dress, you know, uh, you know, very different, um, lots of assumptions about what was okay and not okay. But even those extremes, from these pagan Romans to these ultra-pure Jews, could become like-minded. They could be like-minded because what do they have in common? What is the same? It may not be their skin color. It may not be their cultural forms. It's Christ, because they have both been purchased and redeemed by Jesus Christ. And they, they have had Christ sacrifice for them so that they can sacrifice for each other. So that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hearkening back to John 17, how will the world know that we are his disciples, by how much we restrict ourselves to only people who look like us, who eat like us, who dress like us, or is it by the love that we have one to another? Right? And here the context is into already a divided church that was having challenges. He's saying, you not only can, you should, and you must have one mind, one mouth. And what's the purpose of your mouth? To tear down each other? No, it is to glorify God. It is when we look to Jesus Christ, when he is the integration point of all of us, that we can find true unity. Not when we look to, to, to commonalities of, of you know, our human experience, but it's through, through when he is the center that we can become one mind and one mouth. 
And then we get to the verse 7 that I referred to the beginning. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. We've talked to love one another, admonish one another, pray for one another, you know, teach one another. There's a lot of one another's. Receive one another. <coughs> what does that mean? The, the Greek, and of course Alex can correct me, is proslambano, which means towards, to, to take towards yourself, to, to basically take into your bosom to take to you, to receive. And so Christ took me to himself. I was rebellious. I was a filthy sinner. I was stiff-necked. I had all kinds of issues, especially compared to his pristine purity, to his un- stained robes of righteousness of that heavenly father who embraced the filthy prodigal full of swine manure and debris stinking to high heaven he embraced him you know we got a dog in our house now and and, and i don't have a very good nose but you know my wife is going around spraying the rooms this morning because it smells like wet dog you can imagine what that prodigal son smelled like when he came out of, the, out of the pig pen. But he did not hesitate. He ran towards that filthy son who defied him, hurt him, stomped on his heart, wished him dead, wanted his gifts, his goods, but not the relationship, who rejected him to the core and came back a failure, squandered everything in the worst way possible. All of his inheritance and, 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 and all those gifts and, and, and a filthy sinner in literal terms. And he embraced him. That's how Christ received me to the glory of God. God be praised for that incredible love and acceptance and reception that I undeservingly have from my Heavenly Father. Now, the Word turns to you and I and says, receive one another. There is nothing that's going to disqualify my brother, my sister, from being received and taken into my bosom we're not going to let these petty surface things about, about details of how you want to live your life or how you look or how, how you know, the, these, these superficial things that are skin deep should not keep us from receiving to our hearts the way we have been received.
We know what Matthew 18 says about, about the, the, the king who is willing to forgive, I didn't forget, it, was, it would have taken hundreds of thousands of years to repay the debt, which of course he doesn't have that kind of a life. It was impossible to pay. And yet he was unwilling to, to forgive the debt of his, uh, of his neighbor, a few months worth. And yet, we're being challenged the same way. As Christ pleased not himself, it, our, my freedom, my independence, my desire to enjoy my life without being impinged by obligations and restrictions of other people's thoughts, we need to die to that. My desire to, to, to keep my hands clean and my schedule free we're being challenged to take into my bosom to receive as Christ received me. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister, a servant of the circumcision, the Jewish people, for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Some people will say, well, you know, look at what happened when Jesus went to the Syrophoenician woman, he was up on the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and there was a woman there who came, she, her, um, her child had, was demonically possessed and begged Jesus to free my child. And he said, well, I was not sent, but to the house of Israel, lost sheep of the house of Israel, and she humbled herself, and, 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 and even though he said, I'm not fit to give bread from the table to the dogs says well even crumbs from the table the dogs are allowed to eat and he he yielded and, and healed her daughter and so I'll say look you know Jesus is making this distinction between the Jewish people the circumcision and and the Gentiles and and Paul is addressing that very argument right here when he says yes Jesus was specifically coming to minister to the Jewish people exclusively because this was a fulfillment, the promises made to the Father of a biblical prophecy. He needed to address them. But the end result was that the Gentiles, and he now quotes over and over again how this very same Old Testament that prophesied that the Messiah, the root of Jesse, and so on would come, was not only to benefit and bless the Jewish people, but was for all Gentiles, that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As is written, he quotes, for this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles. And again, another quote, rejoice ye Gentiles with people. And another third quote, praise the Lord ye Gentiles. Fourth quote from Isaiah, the root of Jesse, that will reign over the Gentiles and the Gentiles will trust. So he quotes four different scriptures saying, look, God's plan was never limited to just the Jewish people, even though Jesus came and was focused exclusively on the Jewish people. God's plan was always for all people. And, for, and we read that every nation, kindred, tongue will be there um, in heaven worshiping him together. And so the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. It is when my heart is open 
when I love like God loves, when I accept like God accepts, when I'm willing to sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed, that the God of hope can fill me, that the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost can work through me, that the hope abounds in me. And when I feel the lack of that power, of that hope, of that joy, I need to check whether I'm willing to sacrifice and to love and to accept like my Heavenly Father, like my, my Lord and Savior Jesus did. And here is verse 14. Again, we get to another one another, our third in this passage. Now, and I myself am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. That I'm persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Now, admonish one another, I think we may have heard of that. Sadly, not as much these days. And probably, given the time we're at, we will have to focus on this in another message. Um, but look at the context here. It wasn't to admonish each other on points of external form. It was to... It was about goodness, love, sacrifice, about being, having the heart of Jesus towards all men. And this goodness, which can only come from God, is to overflow in how I reach out to you. And the word admonish is to, to put in remembrance, to put in mind, to, to kind of to put that thought in your mind with love, to gain my brother, to encourage them, to lift them up. We had a culture, perhaps, a few decades ago, probably before my time, so I'd better say many, number of decades ago, where we did correct one another, where I hear, because I never saw it, there was a little chair that was put in front of the church where people were asked to sit in there and, and were admonished about things they had done before the whole church. We've gone away from that. We have now, it's very laissez-faire, where we don't really stick our nose in each other's business until maybe it's too late. I don't think either extreme is what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is teaching that we take each other into our bosom, that we know each other well enough and love each other well enough that we're able to speak the truth in love and to encourage and to, and, and to exhort and to help along and to help those who may be straying, may be discouraged, may be distracted, may be confused because we're willing to make the sacrifices and not please myself 
and not worry about pleasing you except for your edification that that would become the priority that I love you enough. May the Lord bless his word. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us to gather together in your house this morning. We thank you for the word that was spoken, Father, and we pray that um, its message would be felt by each one of us, Father, and we would strive for uh, greater love for you first, Father, and also for each other. Father, we pray that you would give us hearts that are humble enough to accept where we've fallen short, to accept that we've transgressed against you and against others, perhaps, Father. We pray that, that you would humble us and you would also help us to love each other enough that we would share our burdens with each other and be able to be open and accountable with each other and in doing so that we would draw closer uh, to thee and be a, a closer body of believers father we pray for all those who couldn't be here father uh, be with them whatever's um, whether it's uh, physical pain or illness we pray uh, for your healing hand on them or for those who aren't here for other reasons father we pray that you would um, convict them of the of the necessity that that is gathering together with the believers father and uh and having fellowship with each other we pray that we would uh, enjoy that the rest of this day father that we would keep uh, the word close to our hearts father and that we would remember why we gather together and that we must put you first and your worship our worship for you is is above all else not just on this day but in our in our walks every day, Father, we pray you would impress that on our hearts as well. We pray now uh, for a blessing on the rest of this day, Father. Be with us as we continue to gather. We thank you for all you've done for us that we're not worthy of, Father. We pray that we would be thankful for for the many blessings we have, Father, and that we would we would share with those who uh, don't don't have as much as we do and have not been afforded that, Father. We pray you would give us uh, charitable hearts to help those who aren't in positions like we are, Father. We also want to pray for the salvation of those who don't know you, Father, especially in this, uh, in this room right now, Father, but also those who each of us know in our lives and are on our hearts, Father. We pray we would be effective advocates for your word as well, Father, and that you would give us words to speak and that uh, many lives would, would be touched in and we would be an example to those who don't know you yet, Father. We pray for them. We pray they would be convicted and they would surrender their all to you. We pray all of these things now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please choose a closing. My thoughts are going in a number of different directions uh, this morning after hearing uh, the message. So please bear with me if things seem a little scattered. One thought, one memory I have as the brother that was preaching was maybe I was six or seven, and I distinctly remember sitting in church and listening to, to uh, our serving elder brother, Mark, Mark, Mike Bauman, getting very emotional as he said, 
The greatest power in the universe is the power of love. The greatest power. I remember him saying that a number of times, emphasizing that. And that's stuck in my little mind. If we want to experience the power of God, if we want to see him change us, it's through the power of love. The love that we read about this morning in Romans 15. The love that transcends. I think Brother Mike had a special place in his heart for our little church because we were so such a mix, such a diverse little group that he came and he was received by us and we received him. And that's what needs to happen. We need to receive each other more. We need to accept each other more. Ongoing. I have a picture in my mind of, of, of us welcome, each one welcoming each other with open arms. That's the kind of acceptance, the kind of welcome, the receiving that needs to happen. And it's not a distant thing. It's not something that happens by people that are far apart. Yesterday we experienced some of that receiving, some of that welcoming in the home of our dear sister. I was touched by the love, the joy that she had as she received us all. I was just reflecting with my wife that it's a bit of a seasonal thing in this country. Summer is the time for visiting. It's the time for activities. Things happen, zoom, 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 back and forth, and then the hibernation of winter comes. The love of Christ is not seasonal. We need to welcome each other. Keep doing that when the times are difficult, when it's cold, when it's hard, when we don't think of each other as much, when it's not as easy to physically get together. May the Lord help us to do that. My friend outside of Christ, Christ wants to receive you. He wants to welcome you. Come to him. We conclude this service now and commend you to God's grace.